But look at verse number 25. The Bible says, A true witness delivers souls, but a deceitful witness speaketh lies. And the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. And the multitude of people is the king's honor. But in the one of the people is the destruction of the prince. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding. But he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. He that oppresseth the poor reproacheth his maker, but he that honoreth him hath mercy on the poor. The wicked is driven away in his wickedness, but the righteous hath hope in his death. Brother Jordan did a good job Friday night preaching on that verse. Verse number 33, Wisdom resteth in the heart of him that hath understanding, but that which is in the midst of the fools is made known. Righteousness exalted the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. The king's favor is toward a wise serpent, excuse me, servant, but his wrath is against him that causeth shame. Let's pray to Heavenly Father, Lord, I sure do thank you, Lord, for tonight. Lord, I thank you, Lord, just for the, the atmosphere, God, the, the, just the way it feels. Lord, we, we're, not, we're not saved by our feelings, God, and we're not controlled by our feelings, Lord, but it sure is a blessing when things feel good. And, Lord, it helps us and it encourages us. Lord, we ask you tonight that, Lord, this uh, attitude of thanksgiving, God, that we've expressed Lord, to each other and to you and for the church tonight. Lord, I pray, Lord, it roll over into the holiday. Lord, our families and, Lord, our friends, God, would see this same attitude in our hearts. God, they would bump shoulders with thankful Christians. Lord, the world's got enough cynical Christians, enough mad Christians, enough upset and aggravated. Lord, it's high in the world to see some thankful Christians who are thankful for Calvary, who are thankful for their Bibles, who are thankful that they get to serve God and they get to, Lord, just simply enjoy your goodness. We ask you tonight, Lord, you'd help us now from the word of God. God, would you help me, Lord, hide behind the cross of Calvary, Lord, and just help me, Lord, to preach the word of God as you desire and design it to be done tonight. Lord, I'll give you the glory and I'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Look at verse number 25. The Bible says, a true witness delivers souls, but a deceitful witness speaketh lies and one of the things God's put in my heart as a pastor and as a preacher and really as a Christian is a desire for truth and to, to not just to know the truth but to understand the truth and then to believe the truth, right? To put it into practice and apply truth in my life. Well, preacher, why is that? Because that's the only thing that brings deliverance or liberty or help to your life tonight is truth. In essence, tonight, if you remove truth out of your life, how do you move on? How do you grow? How do you live? How do you participate in the Christian life without truth? And my introduction tonight, we went along these lines of how we often think that time is the most valuable thing or is one of the most valuable things that we have, and it is, right? I read after a man this week, and he said time can be explained this way, that yesterday is a canceled check, and tomorrow is a promissory note, but today is all the cash that you have. We, we see tonight that time is important, but can I say truth is just as vitally important. Matter of fact, truth makes better use of your time than if you don't have truth. And verse 125 says, the true witness delivers souls. We see the deliverance there, but a deceitful witness speaking lies, and lies never help anybody. It don't help the people they're telling them to or the person that's telling them. Lies never help anybody. They feel good and they sound good, but they only lead to deeper holes and deeper problems. And so tonight, we're going to look at this, these, uh, and Tyler, give me the truth. Tell me 
the truth. Now, sometimes the truth hurts. Sometimes the truth is hard. Sometimes the truth is difficult to digest in the moment, but we always need the truth. I want to give you quickly three areas. So now the first one was the, the truth about fearing the Lord. That's verses uh, 26 through 29. It says, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence in his children shall have a place of refuge. Now, the truth about the fear of fearing the Lord is when we have that reverence, that awe, that when we allow God to be God in our life, there's that saying, have you made the Lord or have you made Jesus the Lord and King of your life or Lord and Savior of your life? Well, we don't make him anything. He already is those things. It is us allowing him to be what he already is in our life. And when you and I allow ourselves to fear and reverence God in the way that he desired to be done, there does come a confidence, right? It's not a, it's not a self-confidence, but it's a confidence in God. It brings a bigger confidence. It also brings a brighter future. Look at verse 27. The fear of the Lord is the fountain of life. It is from what life springs forth to depart from the snares of death. It, it brings... Uh, had I lived unto myself and for myself and nobody else but myself, I know where I would have ended up. But now I, 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 God saved me and as I allow him to lead and guide me, what was a life that was snared by death is now a fountain of life. It leads to a better future and it leads to a, uh, a brighter future and a better atmosphere. It talks about the king there. Uh, in verse number 27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the stairs of death. In the multitude of people is the king's honor. When you and I, as a collective group, right, uh, begin to allow God to lead us and guide us, it brings a better atmosphere. That may be one of the reasons why our church isn't like every other church. We've just simply, we're not perfect at it. We, we, don't, we don't nearly do it like we ought to do it all the time, but we've purposed in our heart that I'm going to strive to allow the fear of the Lord to be what it's supposed to be in my life. And so we see tonight the truth about fearing the Lord. And then number three tonight, we see some truth about sin. Now, it's interesting in America, you can make money off of sin, you can laugh at sin, joke about sin, uh, and point out and portray sin and, and do all those things. But the second a preacher begins to preach about sin, oh, you can't do that, preacher. You can't mention that. But we see some truths about sin tonight that we see the reproach of sin. It doesn't matter the nationality. It doesn't matter the, the language. Look at verse number 34. Righteousness is all of the nation. But sin is a reproach to any people, right? Sin is never right to any person or for any person. It is never excused or given credit. The only thing that will help our nation out is is not a is not a a backdoor plan with Ukraine or Korea or anything like that. It is righteousness being exalted in a nation. It is men and women standing up for that which is right and saying this is right. And that's the truth of the matter. Not some truth about sin. It's a reproach to any, any nation tonight. See y'all y'all don't trick me. I mean y'all gonna let me preach the whole thing. Notice that it's also we see the reward of sin in verse number thirty five. The king's favor is toward a wise serpent. I said again, a wise servant tonight. The king's favor is toward a wise servant, but the wrath is against him that calls the shame. In essence, tonight, when you and I, it's the interesting thing about the Christian life. It is allowing God to work through us, and when you and I allow God to work through us, he rewards us for the work that he's doing in us. Isn't that interesting? That'd be like you going to your boss and saying, hey, boss, I want you to do all of my work today, and when you're done, pay me for doing it. In essence, that's what God is doing when we avail ourselves to him. And I, Lord, 
I'm your vessel, use me how you see fit. And so he does, and then he rewards you for allowing him to do that in and through you. It doesn't make no sense, but I'm glad that's how it works tonight. But then he goes on to say, his wrath is against him that caused the shame. In essence, not God is always going to deal with sin. He's not going to let it slide in your life. He's not going to pretend that it didn't happen. Yes, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, but he is going to bring you to that place where you're going to have to make the choice to confess it or not. And the longer you and I hold on to it, and we don't, we don't simply do that act of confession to him and say, Lord, you're right, I'm wrong, Lord, I'm sorry. Help me, Lord, forgive me, cleanse me, uh, restore right spirit in me, Lord, do all those things. The longer it takes for us to do that, the, the harder life is going to become. His wrath is against him that causeth. Shame. He doesn't want you to live that way. He doesn't want you to live under that tonight or to, and to experience that. That's why he died on the cross of Calvary for you. That's why he said, hey, if you'll confess it to me, I will help you. So we see some truth about, this, about sin. We see some truth about fear in the Lord tonight. But we're going to get right there in that cream filling of the Oreo. Look at verse, or point number two. We're going to look at some truth about the heart. Some truth about the heart, verses 30. Uh, through 33, it deals with the heart. So the sound heart is life of the, is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. He that oppresseth the poor reproacheth his maker, but he that honoreth him hath mercy on the poor. The wicked is driven away in his wickedness, but righteousness hath hope in his death. But the righteous hath hope in his death. Wisdom resteth in the heart of him that hath understanding. But that which is in the midst of the fools is made known. Now, here's an interesting thing. Here recently, well, I've been hearing a lot about the heart. My, my, my wife, Miss Becky, has been doing some uh, studies on it, just not just on the spiritual side, but on the physical side of it, physically and spiritually. And it's amazing how, in reality, they work hand in hand. And, 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 and now, tonight, I'm, I'm, I don't have any medical credentials. I don't have an MD behind my name or in front of my, wherever it goes. I don't have that tonight. But I, I, my wife said something very interesting. And in the moment, I was like, well, that, that's neat. That's interesting. And as I was studying, I said, huh. You ever had those light bulb moments where it goes off? <laughs> Amen. For some of us, they are few and far between. Amen. And so we enjoy them when we have them. But uh, she, said, she, she said, your heart actually sends more signals to your brain than your brain sends signals to your heart. Wow, I, I didn't know that. But then I was studying this, and, and I, I can't explain that from a medical side. I, I, I can't say, I don't know where your aorta valve is and, and all of that kind of stuff. I, I don't know all that tonight, but science has proven that your brain sends a signal more to your brain than your brain sends it to your heart. And you said, well, preacher, uh, if you can't explain it from a medical perspective, could you please explain that from a biblical perspective? perspective. And thankfully, the Lord let me see some things. Amen. What do you mean by that? Here, here's what I'm going to say tonight. You can't change your heart. You can't change your heart. Jeremiah 7, 19 or 7, 17, 9 says this. It says our hearts are, where's it at? There it is. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Let me ask you, can you change your heart? When you think about it this way, you can't change your heart. You say, oh, I've got a sad heart. Let me walk over into my house and go into my closet, take my sad heart out, and put my happy heart in. You can't change your heart. Well, preacher, what about heart transplant? You didn't change your heart. You got somebody else's heart. 
Well, so we can't change our heart. And here's an interesting study. You go, you go see the word, look in the word of God, go to the book of Exodus, and I think maybe Genesis, uh, and, and when it deals with Saul as well, uh, I think it's where it else, maybe Solomon, and, and the Bible said God gives them a heart. God changes a heart. Why? He's the only one that can. He's the only one that can change your heart. And, and here's the thing tonight. Your heart well, oftentimes it's that, that understanding of emotion tonight. And a lot of times your emotions will argue logic. Your emotions will, will look at something that is logically explained and say, that can't be so. For example, you may go out here tonight and say, pastor didn't shake my hand after the service. He must be mad at me. He must be infuriated with me. Well, that's not a logical thing. I might have not just been able to see you before you headed out the door. I didn't, I didn't come to church and said, I'm not shaking their hand or not. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm. No. And a lot of times our, our emotions will, will argue with logic. Well, you can't change your heart, but you can change your mind. Right, you can change your mind, Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And so we see tonight that you can change your mind. And what are you trying to say, preacher? I'm trying to say we've got to get the place in our Christian life where our mind that is renewed in Christ is dictating to our heart what it needs to do and where it needs to be. And so we see here tonight that we see some hearts. In verse number 30, we see a sound heart. The Bible said a sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy and the rottenness of the bones. A sound means healthy. Let me ask you, what makes a heart healthy? <laughs> <laughs> we live in the South. We know what makes it not healthy. I remember talking to a cardiologist. He said, do you know that in the South, cardiologists are a whole lot, there's a, a whole lot more cardiologists in the South than there is in the Northwest. He says, because y'all love your, your fried foods and your sweet tea. And he started naming those. And I was hungry after that. <laughs> Don't remember anything else he said after that. I was hungry. But really what makes a heart healthy, it is everything that you do to it exercise, eating right, maintaining stress. All the, it's the environment that you allow your heart to be in, right? That either it either does it in a positive or does, it causes a negative thing. The same thing is true. What you and I allow ourselves to think on, right? And we're going to get into that tonight. It's, it's also found in the book of Philippians. Tonight we'll get there in just a few minutes. But a sound heart is one, you can't just go find a sound heart and put it in there. But it's allowing the word of God to, to, to control and to, 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 to encapsulate your heart and say, no, we're, we're, not, we're not going that way. We're not doing that. A sound heart, the Bible says in verse number 30, a sound heart is a life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. You can have a sound heart. Verse number 31, you ought to have a sincere heart. Right, I, preacher, I have a heart for God. Let me ask you one question. How do you treat the poor? Look at verse number 31. He that oppresseth the poor reproacheth his maker. Oh, preacher, I want to serve God. How do you treat the poor? And I'm not just talking about the guy on the side of the road who's begging for money. We talked about it last week. The poor are those who are without Christ, those who, who don't, know them as, don't know him as his pers their personal Lord and Savior. How do we treat those people? Do we have a heart that is sincerely saying, I want them to be saved? Do I look at them as a soul and as a person who will spend eternity somewhere? 
We see a, a sincere heart, a sound heart. Verse number 32, we see a straying heart. The wicked is driven away in his wickedness, but the righteous hath hope in his death. You want to know more of that verse? Ask Brother Jordan. He preached on it. But as a person continues to push away, their heart gets further and further away. A straying heart. Then verse number 33, we see a settled heart. A settled heart. Look at verse number 33. Wisdom resteth in the heart of him that hath understanding. But that which is in the midst of fools is made known. The only thing that can settle your heart tonight is wisdom. <laughs> Disney said, follow your heart. Just believe and everything will be okay. Should have been in our Sunday school class. <laughs> I, we, we blistered Disney for like three weeks in a row. <laughs> Even though, remember the Titans is probably one of the greatest movies ever made. <laughs> They tell you, follow your heart, follow your heart, follow your heart, follow your heart. And God says, no, your heart's desperately wicked. It's deceitful. That's why you and I can lie to ourselves and somehow think we're telling ourselves the truth. But a settled heart is only one, can only be settled by wisdom tonight. Well, how in the world do I get a settled heart? Well, what are you thinking about? Remember, we're talking about getting our mind to control our heart. Allowing that the, the, the mind of Christ to influence our heart and our emotions and our being tonight. That's why he said in, in Philippians chapter number four, go down to verse number eight, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, put these things in your heart. It's not what the Bible says. It says, think on these things. Allow your mind to dwell on these, and through the dwelling of your mind, the heart is going to be influenced. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Preacher, my heart is troubled. How do I fix my heart? Well, with your mind. He said, the God of peace shall be with you. And so it goes from a troubled place to a peaceful place. My, what, what are you thinking on? What, you, what are you allowing to come in? What are you, what are you dwelling on? What, are you, what is coming in through your eyes and through your ears and that is influencing your mind and what you don't realize that what influences your mind is either going to allow your heart to be controlled or out of control. So tonight, some truth about the heart is really it's controlled by, in the Christian's life, it needs to be controlled by the mind. Let me ask you real simply tonight, how's your heart? How's your heart? <laughs> I don't know about you tonight, but I'm going to leave out of here with a grateful heart. Why? We was thinking about everything we was thankful for. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't go into my drawer and say, all right, well, there it is. There's my thankful heart. Let me put it in there. Y'all started saying what you was thankful for. I started saying what I was think, thankful for. And before you know what we was thinking on was dictating to our heart where it was supposed to be. <laughs> Preacher, my heart's trouble. What I, check with your mind real quick. What have you been thinking about? Here's some truth about the heart. It needs to be controlled by your mind. You cannot change your heart. God can, but you can change your mind. And through the changing of your mind, God will begin to change your heart. Let's pray to Heavenly Father. We thank you.